This is the Brisbane Football Review with your host, James Coglin. It's never a good sign when I'm the one presenting a logical solution. Scott Owen. James, can I just make just one quick point? And Adam Pace. Uh, I'm a male. No. Plus some special guests starting now. And we're back for part two of the Brisbane Football Review for this week. It is James, Scott and Adam with you on Clutch Radio. And we're very pleased to be joined by two special guests for what we were hoping would be a much more cheery version of the show. We've got Liam and Alex from the Queensland Socceroos fans. Alex, it's uh, not quite the way we would have been hoping to be talking uh, this time of year, is it? No, definitely not. Uh, but uh, so be it. We do like doing it the, the most difficult ways and the longest route possible. So uh, I guess we stick to the same formula. Liam, have you stopped steaming after the uh, Socceroos Japan game by any chance? Uh, well, steaming might be the right word because I was actually in the ground. I was behind goal with the active support and there was lots of rain and lots of heat. So I probably was steaming, literally. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Well, yes, this is the Socceroos version of the Brisbane Football Review. If you are just tuning in on Clutch Radio, then you can actually hear our podcast where we discuss the Raw's defeats in the past week as well. And we do also have a little producer with us in my arms at the moment, so we might hear from Thomas at some point during the show. Adam, how are you going? I'm good. Um, I said good personally, but yeah, uh, the the uh, I guess the plot of the national team is not so good, and uh, yeah, the long it's long road ahead to Qatar. The the road has gotten longer, and I think a lot more difficult. Scott, just a little more difficult that they hold now South American thing. Thankfully, Uruguay have qualified. We don't have to deal with them, but we might talk about that a bit later on. Yes, and uh, we will actually just uh, clarify and say that uh, there were many, many people who were disappointed that it wasn't going to be Uruguay just because there were so many stories that could have written themselves had Australia reached that point in the playoffs. But the reason we are doing a Socceroos special on the Brisbane Football Review, where we normally focus on the Raw and NPL and whatnot, is because, well, there is plenty to talk about. And when we bring on Liam and Alex, it tends to go off in strange, crazy directions like Barney Gumbel's uh, solo recording career. Who's Barney? (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know, but I think I'm definitely the chief Wigan of the band looking at us. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, before we get into that, we will uh, quickly get the plugs out of the way as well. If you want to get in touch with us, brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com, Facebook, The Raw Review, Twitter, at BNE Football, and we are on Instagram as well. Uh, Alex, I'm going to go to you for the Queensland Socceroos fans plugs because I just saw your face light up with uh, disdain, I'm fairly certain. Yeah, that's right. I absolutely love getting this wrong every single time. So (laughs) (laughs) That's why I keep going back to you. That's right. It's uh, the the Twitter handle, I believe, is at SocceroosQLD. Is that uh, correct, Liam? (laughs) You are. At QLD Socceroos, isn't it? Yeah, just just, just search for Queensland Socceroos uh, fans on, on all your favorite socials. Yeah. But buying Instagram, I don't think we're on yeah, there. Yeah, no, no, no. But we are. See, that's we a are. nice, easy way of doing it. That's see, James, just nice and simple, man. Don't read through the whole thing. <laughs> it is. It is at Socceroos Queensland. I did just uh, do yeah, a quick yeah. search of that as well. Yeah. But yes, well, also, I would, uh, Scott, just to clarify as well, and we'll get the infighting out of the way first. I would have done. I would have been able to just say search for uh, Brisbane Football Review on all the platforms, but you decided to create a Facebook page with the name The Raw Review. Thank you for that. And I'm still regretting that name 10 years later. 
<laughs> yes, there we go. All right. So we've got, I'd say, three parts that we're going to be talking about in this episode. We'll start off with the game on Thursday night in Sydney where there was a little bit of hope and it was uh, felled over the course of 90 or so minutes on a wet Sydney night. We'll talk about how the Socceroos have come to be forced to go through the intercontinental playoffs. Well, firstly, the intra-continental playoffs. Uh, and then uh, we'll also talk about how they can still hopefully find a way to pull off a miracle and book their ticket to Qatar 2022 come June. So, Liam, you were there. Mm. It was a night where we were probably living more in hope than anything else. How was the feeling in the ground? Oh, uh, look... Um... There was the, there was a lot of uh, uh, um, thought about uh, how we're going to um, probably be very lucky to get through this. Uh, a lot of people were thinking it, especially at all the all the pub talk at the at, at the time before we marched down the stadium was that it was basically going to be probably our first um, our first home loss and our first loss at, um, at at the Olympic Stadium. So there was already an expectation there that it was going to be a tough slog. Um, so and it, as it turns out, you know, we a lot of the, a lot of the punters were we're very much correct. Scott? Yeah, again, I think Japan were always going to be a really tough game, wasn't it? The soccer should never... They put themselves in this position with prior results, and this was always going to be a very, very tough game, Given particularly given all the players who were unavailable during the, in the lead-up to the game. I think Tom Rogic, Tom Rogic withdrew a couple of other players. Withdrew. You knew it was going to be a very, very difficult game, and we'll talk about Japan at the moment, but they're a, they're a very good side, and they made Australia pay. They certainly did. It was a 2-0 defeat with a pair of late goals. And Alex, the Socceroos did have their chances, especially early on. They had the ball in the back of the net. It was ruled out. Did that just give you a little bit of a feeling of where this game was headed when there, I think there was a case where that should have been a legitimate goal, but yeah, that, that was how the night was going to unfold. So yeah, I, I would like to just answer that quickly and cover it off. It gave me pure flashbacks back to our game against Japan, Japan in 2006 world cup where the reverse happened. Schwarzer was fouled. And guess what? The goal stood <laughs> for Japan. So, that's, actually, yeah. that's actually a phenomenal pull. Well done on that. Yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah thank you for that. But it, 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 it definitely triggered my memory. Um, and it, uh, yeah, it really uh, was a sign of things to come during that game. I mean, after that, Taki Minamino uh, hit the, the crossbar in the woodwork about two or three times. You know, he could have had a first half hat trick from memory. Um, it really was a sign of things to come that that luck was just not going to be on our side, and and I think it was all luck that that we were going to need to to win that game. Just talking to two Liverpool fans here. Thank goodness your bench form is no good, Eliza. This could have been really, <laughs> really ugly. He should have scored inside 20 seconds. He should have had a hat trick in the first half. So thank goodness he can't hit the target. That's the Scott. one reference to European football I will make. And oh. now we'll get back to the national team. I just want to say it's not the League Cup, so he doesn't know how to score. <laughs> I thought yeah. you were going to say it'd be a walk-up starter for Michael, yeah. but yeah, you're damn right he would be. Adam? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say the same thing. That Yeah, look, to be honest, um, I think Japan were always uh, in, in sort of in control of the game. I think it, it, the fact that it was nil all, you know, getting the 70, 75, 80 minutes, I think actually flattered uh, and the soccer is a little bit because yeah, if uh, if Minamino scores even one of those chances, he had a he had absolute plethora of chances in the first half. Um, mm. Yeah, it wouldn't even it wouldn't even be close. So I think the fact that they, they hung in there and they had to disallow a goal, 
but at the end of the day, I think the, the realization that the Socceroos had to chase the game for the win to keep their direct qualification hopes alive. That's what I think it opened the door. And uh, Kairu uh, Matoma was the chance for a double. And on that as well is the fact that it, it, it felt strange watching the Australians essentially almost having to set up for a smash and grab at home at what should allegedly be their uh, fortress of a stadium, Liam. Yeah. Oh. It was, yeah, but there wasn't that many people there. I mean, there was, there was, there was about forty-one thousand there, and there, and everyone was up, kind of up back because because it was raining. Everyone was back up under the stands, so there wasn't that there wasn't that big atmosphere. There wasn't that um, as much as the the active uh, tried to get the tried to get it going. There there wasn't that sense of a full stadium right behind the boys. Um, it was just it was the rain didn't help. It just it was just. It was just a miserable night all all round, really. Uh, they 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 couldn't draw on that on that crowd uh, simply because the crowd wasn't really, you know, the crowd that was there wasn't really, you know, um, wasn't really enough to keep them going. If you or, or, or even get them started, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, that 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 fortress part wasn't there. Quite simple well, as that. That actually raised a very good point, and we'll go to you with this, Alex. Is to me, it kind of feels like now, like two decades ago, there was the cautious optimism and the hope that Australia would be able to get through to the World Cup. And that has now been replaced almost with an expectation for disappointment, which can be both a good and bad thing. Because it means now, you know, making the World Cup is seen as a bare minimum for Australia. But it also mm. means that it feels like a lot of these, a lot of the fans now aren't as willing to get on board because they're worried that they're not going to get their moment of joy. Whereas, you know, previously everyone wanted to be there for that Uruguay game in 2005, the Asian cup final in 2015 as well. Just, it feels like that expectation for disappointment has been taken over and there's just a massive wave of cynicism when it comes to what you expect from this team. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, They're seeing, there's definitely been a shift, uh, I'd say, in the last five years with the Socceroos. Um, I wonder what brought that on. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, I'd, I'd say there's a few decisions from Football Australia, a few decisions from certain management, a few uh, very vocal pundits in the media. <coughs> Robbie Slater, oh, excuse me. Um, <laughs> who just won't shut up. Um, well, and, he has. The house this week. He's been very quiet. Yeah, finally. Um, after he wrote that uh, that atrocious article and whatever mm. rag that mm. wanted to run that. Anyway, sorry, I'll, I'll stop ranting. But mm. but the sentiment around the team has certainly changed, and it's um very disappointing. I, I think you know back when Ange uh, was uh, coach, you know, he, he was saying yes, um, the the bare minimum is to to get the into the World Cup. That should be the expectation for for Australia. That's that's how we we move forward. Um, and and I do agree with that, but but by the same token, um, we just don't have the players available mm. to 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 do that. I, I don't think anymore. Adam, I think also as well. Just uh, looking at you know, it's just one thing like forty one thousand at, at the ground where you know in the past you know the big crunch soccer game would almost draw an eight thousand full house at 
at uh, Stadium Australia, but also as well, the television ratings as well uh, are very, very telling where you had the AFL and the NRL Thursday night games, which are regular season games, both outrate the um, outrate the Socceroos game, where it was uh, almost half a million viewers for each, and the Socceroos on 10 only drew 321,000. You think to some of the other big games um, of the past, you know, the crunch games, that, that number is almost a million. So I think that that's a really stark sort of you know, view of you know where the Socceroos are are at the moment in sort of the conscious of the um, Australian sporting public. Liam? Yeah, I was just gonna, I was just gonna um, elaborate on Alex's point there that about the player levels, um, and that is that uh, going back to you know when there was all this hope and expectation and all this uh, you know around the Uruguay game, you know, look at the players we had playing in Europe, and you know we had some you know we had the the kills of the world and you know all that, all that, all those players. Now when nowadays a lot of the players that we have um, aren't aren't real big names. Uh, uh, at all, and so that kind of there's that so that expectation of, of these big players in these in these big leagues coming back to Australia and 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 playing these big games that's kind of gone. Now we've kind of got these 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 players that are slogging their their backsides out, and there's nothing against the players because the players are doing the best they can, and 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 they're in the best leagues that they can be. Um, it's just that 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 skill level, that mindset where they've been in like in 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 the Premier League, where they've had that hardened the hardened battles at club level, none of that is kind of translating back. Or translating is the right word. It's yep. kind of is kind of coming back to the to the to the country level. So there's that there's that battle, skill level battle, and there's that mental battle as well. I mean, just goes to show with the with 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 the uh, China game and the. Um, and the, was it the Amman game where Amman, we drew? Yeah, yeah, yeah we've got great. plenty to say on that in a bit. Yeah, yeah. So what mm-hmm. I'm saying is, is that they, they, they end up getting a draw with those games when we're in front, you know, because because they couldn't hold on. So is that is there that mentality there? Yeah, I think that it raises a fair question. And looking at the starting eleven for Australia on Thursday night, and actually, I do just before we get into this, I should make a very quick point. We do know there is still one more group stage qualifying game. Um, for the Socceroos coming up Wednesday morning against against Saudi Arabia, but yeah. we are going to, we are going to follow Tara Rushton's lead uh, from the post game uh, and say, well, it really doesn't make a whole lot of difference how that game unfolds anymore. Enjoy so that's your sleep on Wednesday morning, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> but you look at the starting eleven. Okay, we were seeing them miss quite a few of those players, like an Aaron Moy, mm. Tom Rogic, just to name a few. Mm. But based on the available squad. I couldn't really argue with, but well, I was fine with nine of the 11 starting uh, players. The only changes I would have made would have been at right back. Uh, someone other than uh, Rahayan Grant, who again, is like the perfect example of like, he's an A-League player who is good, but he's probably found his ceiling in the A-League, not against a higher uh, level of competition. Yeah. And Mitch Duke, excellent super sub uh, in some of the earlier qualifying games. But how do you leave Jamie McLaren and Bruno Fornaroli on the bench? One of those two should have been starting, especially probably for me, McLaren, because he was only going to be available for one game. Scott? Yeah, again, look, Graham Arnold cops a lot, but I think the Mitch Duke selection is incredibly valid. It's another put the target man up front and try and use aerial threats to try and beat you because it's worked in the past. And in fairness, it nearly worked in this game as well. He probably should have scored just before half time. But with the squad, James, 
Do you know how many players that have been cycled through in the last 12 months? So I counted this up before we recorded. I it's do not. 50 players. They've used 50, they've caught up 50 players was in the Curtis last good, 12 one of them? months. Yes, he was one of them. <laughs> he was one of them, and he wasn't in the original 50 for this camp. Last that's week. why he wasn't there. But they've used 33 players in, the, in this World Cup qualifying campaign to date and called up 50. So I think they've tried a lot of options, but this is what we have. We have a good place, as Liam said. They're not necessarily at the, the highest level of world football anymore like they were back in, to say, 2000 to 2010, when we had a lot of players playing in the Premier League and Serie A and all the rest of it. These guys aren't necessarily at, quite at that level. So I think it's almost you can substitute in and out a couple of players. It's almost like a personal preference. Which one do you prefer as opposed to the other? Because they're probably all roughly about the same level. But on the actual game, I thought Japan I thought Japan were incredibly comfortable, guys. I thought from my, my perspective watching it, I was watching them. And they never looked pressured or harried or anything for the full night. But you always saw them saying, it's all right, calm down, we've got... Just relax. And then their their ball movement was so slow and deliberate, they were under absolutely no pressure. And it was it was it was slow and slow and tedious to watch, but it was effective. They were slow building up and then they got to the front third. They just went as hard as they could, and that's where they created their opportunity. So I thought from their perspective, this was a really composed away win. And I'm sure they steeled themselves for it. They would have loved nothing more than coming here and securing qualification given the rivalry between the two. And I thought they they dominated the game. And yeah, I know, James, it was close to the last five minutes, but if it was a boxing match, it would have been a, a, a complete points decision for Japan. Uh, that's actually where I kind of disagree with you a little bit, Scott, if I'm being honest. And this is probably also reflecting to the overall qualifying campaign they've had as well. I don't think this is a very good Japan side, to be completely honest. Like we've seen them really struggle in goal, and I think they were able to play with a lot more comfort, knowing full well a point was going to be enough from this trip. That's why they were able to play uh, such slow, deliberate build-up. But they looked, like I would say, pretty poor in attack overall. I think well, we've spoken about Minamino wasting all these chances. I think this is, got, for me, this is going to be a sign where, you know, even in 20 years, we're talking about the time Australia blew their chance uh, to get by a Japanese side that if they were deployed properly, if the Socceroos were deployed properly and managed well, I think they have the talent to qualify automatically ahead of this side, who, quite frankly, like you compare it to the team that came to Australia in 2009, a much better version of Japan, and they that side would probably win uh, against either of the teams from Thursday uh, by four or five goals without breaking a sweat. And I'm not me, sure about that. I honestly think this is a, like, and this is probably as low as Japan is going to get as well. So that is what really worries me from a Socceroos perspective. Um, Liam, you look like you've got something to say. Then we might move on to just a qualifying campaign in general. Well, look, well, looking where I was at at, at the ground and on 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 Scott's uh, um, uh, view there, that when I was uh, watching the game live, uh, the Japanese um, uh, back line they were just they were so calm and composed around our guys. They 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 pressed them well. They and they got the ball back so easily. Um, I, I I don't think uh, you're right. I, but James, I think you're right. At the same point that I think they were uh, I think they were happy just to settle with the draw that time. It just so happens that they that they got a goal in the last couple two goals in a couple in the last couple of minutes. I think they were going for. I think they were happy with the draw. Yeah, and uh, the two late goals is a perfect uh, launching off point to yep. what I feel is the 
big problem with uh, this overall qualifying campaign. And we saw it with the Raw's A-League women's side as well. And that's kind of what we've been referencing here and there is the fact that how many points have they dropped in the uh, late stages of games? So yeah. just off the top of my head, they gave up a, at least a point in the two Japan games because of goals after the 85th minute. Mm-hmm. Then there were the two away draws against China and Oman. One came with the equaliser in the yep. 71st minute. I can't and, hold on. Yeah, and the second one came with a goal in the 86th, I want to say, just off the top yeah. of my head. Yep. That, to me, is, as you were pointing out before, Liam, a huge mentality uh, problem mm-hmm. where they just don't seem to have confidence in what they're doing. Scott? So the other part, well, the other part of that point I was meant to make was, oh. you know what it reminds me of, James? Remember the FC Tokyo game here? Yep. And that's what it reminds me of. They came, the Raw were playing so well at that period in time, dominating everyone in this league, playing a certain style of way and style of play. And all of a sudden, the FC Tokyo came here. And they did something very, very similar, slow build up through the middle, and then they just carved them open in the front third. That's very similar. So I think this is the Japanese way, James. It's almost like this is the thing that's ingrained in them. It suits them down to the ground. This is the way they play. And it's very similar. I just remember, I think Craig Foster broke this in SBS back in the day as well the way that the Raw moved it um, horizontally across the park to try and open teams up. And the Japanese used to just go vertically, slowly and patiently. So I think that's kind of what was, this is the Japanese way. And it's, it's something they've built for over 20 years now, probably since um, lead up to their 2002 World Cup at home. They've been building this since then. And this is, it's a long-term plan for them. And we don't have that in Australia. I know when we move on to the other problems, that was, that was the kind of my point is Japan have an in, ingrained, inbuilt way and we're just kind of like fumbling around from here, from this, that, and the other. So I think that was kind of the overarching point, is that this is something, I it's not just the Japanese national team doing it. All the club teams play this way as well over there. Adam? Yeah, I think also as well, I think we, we talk about Japan. Um, is that they were also as well? They had they had a number of um of good players uh, missing from from their lineup as well. Uh, talk of uh, Yasako, uh, Deza Maeda, and uh, Hiroki Sakai. So and excuse me, don't forget their best defender as well. Oh, Tom, yeah. Tommy Oh yeah, him too. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Be, be, be that as it may, um, look, Japan again, and I think to the point is that this is this is still a rebuilding project for them, um, and and I think they're only going to get better over time. You know, maybe the next cycle. So I actually think that you know the Socceroos, if they correct the issues now, I think are at least one cycle behind where Japan. Are. The problem is as well is that. Where are the other sort of you know, Asian nations, the powerhouse nations? Where are they at the moment? Because you know, someone like a South Korea at the moment, they can't just rely on Hyung Son Min. Mm. You know, there's got to be, there's got to be, um, you know, like I said. So Korea maybe there, China also, like I said, they're preparing to host the Asian Asian Cup. So even though the Socceroos, you know, they, they'll finish third in the group comfortably, they'll get the shot at the playoff. I, I think as well, I think the gap between getting back into those sort of qualifying spots may be further away than the chasing pack behind. Yeah, and that, that is the concerning point for me is in four in four years or three and a half now, or even less because that's, qualifiers will be starting sooner, are we, are we at all confident that like the soccer is going to be able to benefit from other teams bottoming out? Because that, to me, was the way that they were going to get to the World Cup here was hoping that um, all these other... Oh, okay, so seven AFC teams will get in in 2026. Thank you, Scott. Um, yeah, all these players are going 
to need to find ways to improve. Now, to me, this qualification came unhinged in November. The frustrating draw at home to Saudi Arabia, followed by the uh, draw against China, I want to say. Mm. Yep, okay, good, I'm not going senile. And from there, it's been, what, one really impressive home win over Vietnam. Credit where it's due, Alex. But they just haven't been able to execute at that same level since. And it might just come from facing tougher opponents. Yeah, I think that's a pretty valid point. Like the, the, the quality of the other nations has really stepped up. Um, and whether you want to argue that there's a degree of complacency in some of our performances, you can, uh, you can argue either way. Um, and I think going back to um, our points earlier that the, the quality of the Socceroos has declined. There's, there's no... There's no second. You can't. You can't doubt that. It, it, it clearly has, um, and it's it's a worrying trend. And and um, I'm not too sure um, where it turns around. I mean, I do have a little bit of hope in this Oli Roos squad that that's come through in this last sort of 12 to 18 month period, with the likes of Nathaniel Atkinson, Marco Tilio, uh, D'Agostino. Uh, and the like, that there is hopefully some green shoots here for us to to maybe take it to these um, nations that are rapidly improving. So um, that's where my positivity is, but uh, the overriding sense is, is one of, of negativity, unfortunately. Well, and that's why I can't be too doom and gloom about it all as well, is because there are players that we do have hope for going forward, but... To me, some of these guys should have been uh, in the squad earlier rather than just, again, Graham Arnold relying on um, his relying on his familiar faces to hopefully just mm. do enough to get the job done. And what really stands out for me, just the more I look at uh, the way this campaign unfolded, I wonder. I can't help but wonder if some of the smarter uh, and better coached teams in Asia actually worked out the Socceroos the first time they played them and were knew that they would be doing the exact same thing come uh, time for the rematch, and they were able to appropriately um, deploy the tactics that they needed to to uh, get around them, if that makes sense, Liam. Yeah. I was going to – I was just going to – yeah. Uh, yes, they have, have <laughs> They have worked them out. Um, on another point about, about the player quality, I think – I think I think we I think we do have the players that could have got us through uh, a lot a lot uh, a lot earlier. We had the players that could do that, but um, um, I just is it is it the tactics? Is it the tactics? You know what I mean? Like is it is it is it uh, is it is it the way that they that they train? Because the players, I mean, they're where they can be, and they're good players, and they and they prove themselves in in the clubs that they're in. But is it just the way? Is it just the way that they coach? Is it just the way that they that they that they start? You know, is it is there is there is there a change there that has to that a tactical change um, that has to be done um, to get these players gelling better together? Um, and that would and you know doing that would would stop teams working us out. You know, like on 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 the second leg. You know, so yeah, and that's why I just keep looking at it and think like they've got the variety as they've got the variety in there where. Well, I, I don't know if you guys heard a few weeks ago, Scott, Adam and I all went through like our predicted starting 11s for this uh, phase of World Cup qualifying. And we all kind of realised that there is actually player depth there in Australia, mm-hmm. whether it's guys who are going to be involved 
you know, right now, or as Alex mentioned, the very promising mm. uh, crop of Ollie Roos coming through. And we'll go to you on this, Scott, is just what, what's the best way to integrate some of these young players now who have shown uh, a bit of promise? It's interesting, isn't it? Because back in the day when the Socceroos had the golden generation, it was almost you had to push somebody out of the shirt, right? You had players like Carl Valeri, Brett Holman trying to work their way into the 11. They had to displace a Vinnie Grella or a Marco Bresciano or somebody like that from the side. Now it's almost like you're trying to drag a player up from, you're trying to grab a Craig Goodwin who's done, does, has a couple of good games in the A-League. You try and call him into the side to be a solution. You do the same with a Bruno Fornall. So I think it's, it's a different way of looking at it. You've just got to, I think you've just got to throw them in. And that's pretty much what Graham Arnold has done. Is he's basically, as I said, he's brought 50 players in, given 30 of them an opportunity. They've thrown them in and seen what's stuck. And again, I think there's the quality, James. Is, is there much difference between a lot of the left-backs that have been tried? Like Joel King, Callum Elder, Brad Smith, as his badge. Is there much difference between any of them? Right, Rahayan Grant, Frank Karasic, and Nathaniel Atkinson. Is there much difference between any of them at, at right now that if going forward Atkinson and King might be good solutions for the next 10 years and that's the way I'd probably go but there's not much difference between any of them at the moment is there yeah and that's also where you fall into what I feel is the most dangerous trap is that you've got you've got Atkinson and King where right now they might be pretty similar to the likes of Grant the likes of Bayich and everything but they've got the promise and that is where you try to say, well, Graham Arnold's job might be might be partly to develop players for the future for 2026-2030 World Cup cycles. But he's also, like, his main remit as Socceroos coach is to get this uh, nation to another World Cup. So is it like, and it's the same as any manager in any professional league around the world where they say, well, is their job to produce talented young players that the club can then sell on um, like you look at Southampton's academy, they've done a great job producing a lot of talent around the Premier League as well as the uh, two Liverpool fans nod their heads uh, <laughs> thinking, about, <laughs> thinking about that as well. But you, their job is also still to win games because you can produce all the talented youngsters you want. If they're going out and getting belted 3-1 every week, the manager's not going to survive that, and that's not a crutch to land on. Mm. So, yeah, I just I just keep falling on that as well. Now... Look, I think I think we're all in agreement saying like that second round of fixtures is really where the Socceroos have found themselves in this position. They do have the playoffs still to fall back on. So it sounds like as we're recording, it will be a one-legged playoff against Iran on June 7th. Adam, you're our schedule man. Um, it, at, at this stage, going into Tuesday, Tuesday or Wednesday morning our time, um, it's Iraq. Well, at the moment, it's UAE um, who are in the third place, but Iraq are one point behind. Uh, UAE have got a very tough. Uh, they they actually host uh, South Korea, uh, whoever who are already qualified. So the interesting thing we're seeing whether they um, whether they decide to sort of um, pack it in as far as you know they. That you are traveling and setting a decent side over for UAE. If UAE win, then they finish third. The the wrinkle in it is Iraq, by virtue of their win over UAE um, on on Thursday, is that they play Lebanon in the final round uh, down down the road um, in Dubai as well. And uh, that's if 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 UAE falter and Iraq get get the win, 
it'll be Iraq who'll be playing be Iraq playing play um, Syria Australia in third it's round. Iraq and Syria. It's Iraq and Syria. It's yeah. in Iran and then Lebanon is the other game. Oh, yeah, Lebanon sorry, is yep. still actually alive as well. If they both lose Lebanon beat Iran somehow, they could end up in third. Yeah, so Yeah, we don't know yet. So either way, okay, so they've got a one legged playoff against um an uh, opponent from the other AFC qualifying group. Then uh, should they find a way to win that game, it will be a playoff against the fifth-ranked uh, South American nation, which will be Colombia, Peru, or Chile. Yep. So really, like, I think if we're all being completely honest here, I think it's probably a toss of the coin in the AFC playoff and then hoping and praying for some form of miracle uh, when they take on the South American nation. But we have seen it happen before, although – logically speaking, going on the numbers, how often does Australia actually get that lucky when it comes to football? Mm. It, it's probably, it's like I said, I think um, no, no options are good. I think probably the best option is probably for the Socceroos at the moment is that somehow Lebanon game, because uh, Socceroos actually got a good record against Lebanon. But again, the whole, the whole um, thing about the Socceroos is that their record in the Middle East against Middle Eastern countries is atrocious. So I forget forget the South American teams for a second. Yeah, it's, it's certainly not Labiama there that uh, the Socceroos will even get through through the first um, qualifier because UAE their record against UAE is not so great, and Iraq have been um, known to be a nuisance as well for Australian <laughs> national teams in the past as well. So I think that, I think before we even look at you know whether it's going to be um, whether it's going to be Colombia, you know, Chile or Peru, I, I'd, I'd be worried more about you know who who the opponent's going to be on June mm. 4 um, for the Asian side of things. Yes. That's the perception, James, is that the record against UAE is not the best. But I, I looked this up before we started recording because that was my belief as well. But they've actually played the UAE one, two, three, five times. They've only lost once to them. And yeah. it just happens to be the most recent one against them in the Asian Cup quarterfinal. They played them home and away in 2018 World Cup qualifying and beat them. They played them in the Asian Cup here in 2015 and beat them. So the record against them is actually not too bad. It's Iraq that have been the team of really troubled. So every time we played against Iraq, particularly back when we first entered Asia, they were always a really difficult side for us. So I think that's the team we really don't want to play. And I think Colombia is probably... Yeah. Don't want to, you don't want to see Colombia. <laughs> no. that, that would be the doomsday scenario, a one-off game against Colombia in the Middle East somewhere. I think it is going to pretty much just be... Uh, it's going to be a slog either way. Yeah. And, you know, we'll hear all this stuff about, you know, Australian resilience and whatnot, even though their evidence might suggest otherwise. But I I, I think they're going to need a lot more than resilience to uh, even have a chance to uh, reach Qatar in November. Otherwise, we can just, I don't know, meet up with Christian Volpato and uh, watch it on his couch in Italy. But anyway. <laughs> well, he ain't going either, so. <laughs> exactly. He and I can uh, make some plans to watch it together. Now. The big question, and I know this has been the uh, very, very popular topic on the Twitter.com, is the coaching. We promised that we wouldn't turn this into an hour-long just crapping on Graham Arnold because, well, frankly, I think we probably could do two hours on it. Alex, we'll give you first crack at this. Will he be managing the Socceroos in June? Uh, we can't actually hear you at the moment. As oh. I think your headphones may not be plugged in correctly. Can you hear us? Thumbs up, thumbs there down. There we go. There we go. How about <laughs> that one? 
Turn your mic on, Alex. Yeah, that's what you got to do. Uh, technology these days. You're Anywho, on mute, Alex. Yes, uh, classic. Um, so no, I, 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 I certainly hope he's not in charge in June. But um, I it's think it's a two-part question, so we'll, we'll just leave it at that for the time being. Adam, will he be managing? Uh, I think yes, because I don't think you gain anything from um, from getting rid of him now. Look, for me. For me, he's he's gone. As soon as the Socceroos are done for, as far as the World Cup um, qualification go, be it June 4, June 11, or somehow, unless he actually wins the World Cup in November, uh, Graham Arnold's finished. So I, I don't think you gain anything. I think you know, get this campaign out of the way, and then let's worry about you know, Ryan the wrongs you know, going forward once this campaign's over. Scott? Yeah, he'll be there in June. It's too late to make a change. There's no viable candidate, none of the other Australian candidates to do any better than him. And you can't bring in an overseas candidate at this point because they don't know the players. And they'd be relying on another Australian assistant anyway. So what's the point? Just stick with him and hope he figures it out. Liam? Yeah, I think he'll stay until the campaign's over. Uh, and I well, And this is where I will pivot to the second part of the question where I think he will. I don't think he should. Because for me, while there may be all sorts of, you know, scepticism and negativity around the Socceroos' chances, Football Australia's main job here needs to be giving the Socceroos the best chance of pulling off a miracle and reaching the 2022 World Cup. And I don't think Graham Arnold does that. You look at who is best suited for it. I think right now you need a manager that can actually give you a shot. It might not work but at least you're giving them uh, the best possible opportunity and you're at least knowing you're doing what you can. You campaigning so, for Bielsa here? I'm Well, no, but what I'm actually going to say is this is how I would approach it. I would say uh, when the Socceroos get back to the airport on Thursday or Friday or whenever it is, pull Graham Arnold aside and say, thanks for your service. You know, you had a great A-League career. Now go manage a club in Europe. I don't know, maybe in uh, Slovakia or something. But I think he has done all he can for the Socceroos. I would then go and bring in an international mercenary, whether it's, you know, a, I'll use his name as a placeholder just for the time being, Bert van Marwijk. I know he isn't actually going to be an option, but just for the time being. And you sign them through to the end of the 2023 Asian Cup. Because, as Scott said, you do not bring in a manager for at what could very well possibly be a one-game stint. You give them time to work for it, and then you get them through the 2023 Asian Cup. Then you go and hire whoever you want to take you to the uh, next World Cup, whether it is Tony Popovich, Kevin Muscat, uh, Patrick Kisnorbo, or one of the Australian candidates, because it seems like that's the way uh, they're angling for the next person in charge. The reason why you bring in the mercenary, though, is because if you hire Tony Popovich for these playoffs... He's on a hiding to nothing. If his first two games in charge of the Socceroos are seeing Australia get knocked out of uh, the World Cup uh, qualifiers, and then he goes to the Asian Cup where he hasn't settled on his best side and they get bundled out in the quarterfinals again, he's going to be up against it for the next three years up until he hopefully gets him into the 2026 World Cup. So I feel like you can get the mercenary in if they fail in both of those instances, you can uh, sweep the broom out and say, all right, we're starting fresh with Popovich, Musket, whoever. So that is my uh, overarching strategy for how they approach it. Whether or not they're listening to me, I doubt they are, but that's why I've got this podcast anyway. Scott, we'll lead off with you here. 
Yeah, look, I don't disagree with you. If you're going to bring a coach in, it's got to be for minimum to 2023 and maybe with the option to extend through 2026. If they go well at the Asian Cup, you extend them again. But I think that's that's the way it has to be. You can't bring in a, a Gus Hiddink or a Van Marwijk or a, or a Bielsa or something like that for a, for two games or potentially five games they qualify for the World Cup. There's just no point in that, really. So it's got to be more of a long-term strategy. And that's the thing. Is there a long-term strategy around the national team? It seems like it's just Graham Arnold a bust to me, doesn't it? Because I, 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 as much as I agree with you, I would I would love to see a change. I just, they're not going to do it. They're not they're not going to do it. Are they? Let's be honest. They're no. not going to do it. No, no. they're going to be stubborn. And the good and the good point on that as well that was raised in the Channel Ten post game by Simon Hill and Andy Harper. It comes down to money as well. I think and we've that's all why seen they won't do it. The money. Yeah, and we've all seen several um, like bodies, not just in sport, but just in general day-to-day life as well. A lot of people's finances have taken a hit in the last couple of years as well, and I'm sure Football Australia would uh, be in a very similar position, Liam. Yeah, I mean, money-wise, yeah, there isn't much of that going around, unfortunately. Um, but, uh, look, I think I think the their head at the moment, I think, is 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 very much into the um, – is into the, the uh, second tier that's um, – they're supposed to be coming out, so I, 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 I want to see them. You know, I don't know whether it's they, whether they have a business as usual there at the at the FA because um, it, it, there doesn't seem to be any any strategy there that I can see in any form uh, with uh, with with where they go with uh, with the future of of, of players and, and and coaches and it's just. Um, it's it's very frustrating, isn't it, that, uh, that 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 the national team doesn't seem to be um, getting probably what it deserves in, in in terms of of resources, if you know what I mean. It's just yep. um, well on that as well. Yeah. And Adam, like the theory behind leaving Arnold there to, for lack of a better phrase, twist in the wind, is it almost like when you know a club is losing a match five nil, six nil, or something? And the manager says, all right, I'm not making any subs. Like, you've got yourself in this position. You're going to see it out. Look, I personally think that if, if, if I was to subscribe to the mercenary coach um, theory, this move should be made two windows ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, this, and this is where, you know, if Football Australia are now con- even considering, you know, getting rid of now ahead of playoffs – this is on them because they should have seen the writing on the wall because it's funny how things change in six months mm. because we went into that Japan game in Saitama on a 10-game winning streak thinking, mm. oh, geez, we just have, we just need one more win. We beat the old enemy and we're off to Qatar. Mm. Look how that turned out. And, like, mm. you're not going to sack – you weren't going to sack Graham Arnold after that loss. Or even it's very, probably very very hard to sell the idea after a you know a a, a score draw in the rain against Saudi Arabia and then a flaccid effort against China to get rid of him. So that that's that, that was the where, time though, wasn't it? Right after the China game. Yeah, that was yeah. The, that was the time. If yeah. you were ever going to sack the national coach, that was then the time because yeah. now it's too late. Like yep. I said, I, I just think that yeah, look, you can you can do it, and that, and then they that's football Australia's right and progress. If they want to, if they want to pull the trigger now, but the consequences will be on them. If it means that they they burn a coach like Tony Popovich, 
mm. you know, basically on a high end nothing because I think it's I think it comes down to the players. The, the and I don't think that the players at this stage are good enough. You now they're available to be able to get the job done. They may they and they may look. I'm not saying they can't do it, but the odds are that you know, unless they can pull together a fleet victory, maybe a penalty penalties win. You know somewhere down the line, make it to Qatar. You're only in delay and inevitable. So it's maybe a case of, you know what, let Graham Arnold and this squad have it their way, have it, let them be the fate of their own destiny, and then start again. If it even means, you know, sacrificing the Asian Cup in 2023 and rebuilding this squad for 2026, so be it. I, I just think, yeah, that, you know, to pull the trigger now, I, I just think it's counterproductive because all you're doing is you're just messing up the timeline. Fair you enough. Need a, you need a coach there that I believe that, that, that the boys will run through walls to play for um i don't I, i've have 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 our lads uh lost faith in graham Arnold. maybe they just weren't playing playing the way that because he was because he was playing out of position he was he was starting the favorites maybe maybe they got disheartened maybe they just maybe they just they don't realize it but maybe that that they, they just need that that extra spark you know well um, i actually well i actually had this and this is purely a theory i don't know, but Jamie McLaren, as we mentioned before, he's not going to be involved in the Saudi Arabia game yeah. because he is finally getting married after. I think I heard it was three or four COVID-enforced postponements. Which, yeah. yeah, anyone who's tried to plan one wedding, let alone uh, four, yeah. will will appreciate that it's, it's less than ideal. I can't help but wonder, was there a little bit of, uh, all right, well, you're not completely committed to the team. You're getting uh, thrown. Um, you're going to get thrown on the bench and get, at best, a uh, cameo appearance, Alex. Yeah, that's. Um, it's that's purely a theory, theory I pulled out of my, you know what. But anyway, yeah. no, that's um, that's a new way of thinking about it, James. Um, I, that's yeah, and and Graham Arnold is one to pull a power play. Let's let's be quite honest. Um, if it's not picking his favourites, it's to you know put people in their place, and um. You know, we, we certainly heard from the pundits after the game, uh, Luke Wilkshire and uh, Archie Thompson voicing their opinions about Jamie McLaren um, not being fully committed. So, I mean, it, it does sort of all add into that boiler um, of, of of that, that potential theory there. And um, if you're cutting off your nose to spite your face by uh, not selecting probably your most informed striker, um, you're a bit of a goober, really. So um, let's, yeah, I, 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 it flabbergasted me when that team sheet came out, if I'm honest, and um, maybe that makes a lot of sense. Liam? Oh, it's just, it's just, yeah, like it comes down to, is it coming down to team morale? Like I, 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 I know I just said that before, but there just seems to be like, like for, for, for pundits to have a go at JMac. Uh, and then, and then J Mac responds the way he did back on social media. There's, a, there's, there's a bit of respect going on. There's a bit of lack of respect going on there amongst, amongst, amongst the certain echelons of, of Australian football. And maybe that uh, is starting to trickle down to our, to our national squad. You know, yeah. um, is it, is, is it, is, is there change needed higher than, than, than Grey Model? Is there, is, is, is there backroom staff there? That that need to be punted and to get proper people in to try and get these guys mentally up for games and and just and and to cut out all the crap that goes on behind the scenes to try and to to try and come come with a united front. Now I know football in Australia 
we're we're renowned for just having you know having a go at each other left right and center um and it's it's something that that our game in in this country suffers a lot from um and it's very hard to stop that but surely those in the backroom staff there with the national team they they need to get the right people in there to get these guys up for games better than what they have it's not just graham idol for me it's a whole backroom staff it's all it, okay it may be all of graham's cronies that he's had over the years but graham goes they all go you have to get a complete rebuild of of of, of backroom staff and and coaching staff and that's hopefully what a new manager will bring in as well yeah. well I'll, I'll go i'll go further um to, to liam's point so Ian's a good one is that i think that the state of the, the state of the game at the moment, I think, and this is, I guess, worldwide almost for any one particular country. If your national team and and your everyone is not united behind the national team, it, re- it reflects poorly on the state of the game in that country. I think you know you can you can have like I said, you take England for example, and their mm, national oh. team. You can have you know, the biggest rivalries in football. You know, but at the end of the day, if everyone says, right, we forget forget our allegiances and we are all behind the national team, that, that means that the, the, the that the national team is healthy. And the fact is that that you know that I think that there is this disunity that a lot of people, no matter what, will dislike Graham Arnold. Yeah, you know, I know obviously a lot of you know Western Sydney Wanderers supporters or you know, even you know, Melbourne supporters that they dislike him no matter and they will not give him a chance. Some, and then it comes down to the players that he selects that they're distrustful of that. This is unity behind the Socceroos. Mm. I think that just shows it just shows what a poor state that the national team program is in at the moment. And mm. until that gets at least settled, we're mm. going nowhere. And like I said, you look at you want to take a good example of where disunity and all that sort of rubbish goes on, take a look at Italy. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Because you think and we have it bad, multiply that by a thousand, and that's what Italy is facing at the moment. Because yeah, yeah for, for us at the moment, it's bad enough the prospect that we're still in it. Italy have now missed two World Cups. For a powerhouse nation, former champions, that's is it's yeah, unthinkable. Fun fact, does anyone remember when the last Italian knockout game was? Uh, the 20, 2006 World Cup final. Yep. Yeah, there we go. Bombed out right. the group stage at 10 and 14, didn't make 18 or 22. True. Terrible yes. shame. That's what happens yep. when you just fall over. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I just want to quickly go back to Adam's point um, around, uh, you know, the disunity in Italy. They're in a very, very similar position to us, except obviously we, we actually ha- still have a chance of qualifying for Qatar, uh, a very faint one. But if you look at Serie A at the moment, there are stuff all um, youth players in the league, in, in their top flight, that are getting a chance. So, you know, youth development, and I'll tell you what, the other thing that they lack is a bit is, is a number nine that can put the goals in the back of the net. Chiro Immobile can score bagfuls for Lazio, but when it when he pulls on the Azuri, he's got nothing. So um, it, it, it's a scarily similar situation. But um, going going back to your point, Scott, that's what happens when you um, tumble over Lucas Neal's legs in the, in the box in Germany. So yeah, uh, we'll, I saw we'll that if they should have just punted him into the into row seven and would have gone to extra time anyway. <laughs> well. Yeah, let, let's not go down that rabbit hole because I think I'm too dehydrated to actually cry again today. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so 
that that's the coaching situation. We'll wrap up just talking about some of the players that we might be hoping to see get an opportunity in the next little while as well. And the standout performer off the bench for me in the Japan game, not for anything concrete, but just in terms of injecting a bit of an attacking spark was Marco Tilio. He had that one yes. really good run. And again, with uh, to echo Tara Rushton's sentiments, with nothing really to uh, gain or lose from this game against Saudi Arabia, yep. throw him in. And some of the names I want to see get a bit more of a run out as well, Denny Genro and a couple of the other guys as well, where I'm just looking at the names off the bench. Um, yeah, Tilio, Falami, Dougal. Just let's see what they can do. It's not it's not going to be a easy situation for them still, but it's certainly one where the pressure won't be as intense as it could be otherwise. Scott? I disagree. I, if I was Graham Arnold, I first I'd be worried about my job security, but if I was for this Saudi Arabia game, I would be playing. This is a dress rehearsal for UAE, Lebanon, Iraq, yeah. whoever it is. Whatever his best 11 in his mind is, James, for that game, that's what he runs out. We are yeah. testing it against Saudi Arabia away from home, yeah. and we are making any adjustments after that for the game that matters. I'm not experimenting with anyone at this point. It's no. We're beyond experimenting. That's done. They need to settle on an 11 and stick with it. So well, whatever he thinks is his best 11, pick it. And hopefully, yeah. fingers crossed, it actually works for him. Well, conversely on that, though, like I hope he's not thinking that his best 11 is just the bulk of the squad that played against Japan, plus maybe an Aaron Moy and a Tom Rogic. Because I, I don't think that, that's what he's going to do. Yeah. If you were in his shoes, that's what you would do, though, wouldn't you? I'd be looking for any sort of X factor to try and change my fortunes, quite frankly. And I don't think that the returning, oh, the bulk of the returning players are going to be able to do that. Liam? Yeah, I, I if I would like, at me as a as a viewer and as a fan of Australian football, I want our best eleven to go out there and my and and I want to and I want us to flog the, the Saudi Arabians. I want us to come out. We're angry. We're we're annoyed. It's time to come back. This is the start of the comeback. Let's show a bit of let's show a bit of mongrel about us and say, look, we okay. We have to we have to now go through through uh, through these playoffs. We mean business. Look out. We're coming. I want I want the best eleven on on the pitch. No matter what, I don't care where they come from. I don't care if you've got a pump them full of drugs to get them out of that bloody COVID black hole. You get in there. You get him there. And you, Legal and drugs. You, I was yeah. wondering where you were going yes. with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not some of the Nimbin stuff. Geez. No, no. Well, they, are, well, they, are, well, they may be playing Columbia. I thought, I thought you were thinking. But you know what I mean. Like it's just like no. Let's just okay. Yes. Let's get in there. Let's give it a crack. Let's let's show them what our what our guys can do when when you know. But it's I think it's either going to go either way. I think we're going to have the best eleven. A best eleven. They're going to flog them, or we're going to have. A mediocre eleven, maybe a best eleven. They're just going to get their backsides reamed. You know, I I just don't want it to be a blowout because that because I don't want us to I don't I don't want us to be shown just to just to have given up now. I want us to come in and I want us to make the game full of purpose. No, and that actually is the best summary I can think of of that as well. I think it would be an absolute insult um, to just everybody if they just roll over and say, "Well, yeah. we're stuffed," yeah. and that is. And what worries me actually above all else is the confidence of a lot of the players who have been yep. involved in these last few matches as well, because they're now starting to get that mental block that like when yep. you can't produce in the way that uh, you might be expecting, Adam, yep. 
it's yep. sort of been the it's sort of been a real issue for them. Now I have a I have, I have another oh, uh, okay point to add just real quick. If you're coming into these games and these playoffs, you want players with experience. Do you bring in Brad Smith as left back? He's done. He's done it. He's been there. He's he 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 knows what's needed. Um, okay, defensively, he's he's a little bit mediocre. But you want someone that that's that's attacking. You want someone up those wings that can just um, that has that has pace on the ball. Do you bring someone in with a bit of experience rather than just um, with a tried and tested that has failed us so far? Adam, I'd go with Jason Davidson to be honest with you. I remember we did it, James. Our best 11s. I said Jason Davidson would be my left back. So yeah, I see no okay. reason to change that. Look, yep. I, look, I agree with both of you guys. So I think I think in case as far as Saudi Arabia game goes. You want a situation where basically you know players are coming back for the playoffs, like an Aaron Moy, a Tom Rogic, you know, a couple of players that you guys mentioned. Yeah. I want to see that the, these players that are left fighting for the shirt, fighting for a place in that 23 that that, go, that pretty much uh, has a last yeah. of the dice. Yeah. And that's what's going to come out. And like I said, Saudi Arabia are through. So there's going to be if they can hit them early, you know the result's not going to matter. But conversely, they will set back the cause even further if they if if the soccer site goes out there on Wednesday morning or Tuesday night in Saudi Arabia and pretty much has sort of resigned to their fate. Oh, we're playing in a playoff. You know this match this match doesn't matter. They could do even more damage as far. I'd say almost if yeah. they get beaten and have a really really lethargic effort, you'd say you know what you forget going to Qatar. Yeah, you, know, you almost forget going to Qatar for the yeah. playoffs yeah. because Play it's not going to happen. At least what you want to see is you want to see some fight. You want to see these players that are left that you know playing for their spot to that final twenty-three. Because you're right, I think it's got to be all hands on deck. You know, I know we're all in agreement that you know the chances of the Socceroos going the long way and getting to Qatar in November is probably you know very very faint. But yeah. as long as it's faint, there's still a chance. It's, yeah, and well, I think you just got to find yeah. the best twenty-three players and go for it. Yeah. Yep. And that think, is hopefully the approach that we'll be seeing. The fight back begins Thursday. Yep. Yep. And whether it's Graham Arnold, whether it's someone else, we are all hoping for the best for the Socceroos when it comes to these always, playoffs always, in always June. Always, for the best. I know we will be up there. We will be awake for these playoffs, bleary-eyed, probably pumped full of uh, our own drug, which is otherwise known as caffeine. Remember we promised that these um, qualifiers were a thing of the past when we made it into Asia? Yeah. How about that? <laughs> yeah, then Asia got a lot better. Yeah. But true. Yeah. And and that to me is like it's only gonna get better and more more too with China will figure out eventually as well. So it's not gonna get any easier. That we'll, is it. We'll talk about off air that you know that seven spots. Look, there's a good chance that Australia it's not it's not a late amateur there they'll you know qualify in twenty twenty six. So they've got to get it right now. Yeah, without a doubt. There is plenty on the line for the Socceroos coming up. That is going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. We promise the next uh, episode you listen to will be a little bit cheerier. At least we hope it will be. That's kind of up to the other guys running around the pitch. Uh, but th- we should say a very big thank you to Alex and Liam from the Queensland Socceroos fans for jo- joining us. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us. That's all right. And, uh, yeah, hopefully uh, when we speak again in June, we will be in a much more celebratory mood. Thank you, Adam. <laughs> yeah, thanks, gentlemen. Thank you, Scott. Good to talk to you boys once again. Definitely. And thank you, everyone, for listening. It's been a big week of episodes on the Brisbane Football Review. As always, get out to your local club and support them in action and uh, get out and enjoy the A-League as well. We'll talk to you later.